Hello, beautiful human. Hello. We are uh, very lucky to have hanging out with us right now. Hunter, hey! Yeah. <laughs> Welcome! That was a big round of applause. That was, yeah, I wasn't expecting that, honestly. <laughs> Dude, Thanks, you, family. <laughs> you've had many a round of applauses in your day, and you've been doing this thing. You've been on this journey for quite some time now. I, I'm not really wanted incredible record to me brought young country into my life right next to taylor swift super dope. teardrops and love like really it changed the way i looked at the genre because you were somebody my age right what are you 27 yeah yeah i'm 26 somebody my age out there singing country music i mean outside of hannah montana which was not really country right i, I haven't I, I hadn't been exposed to that yeah. Wanted brings it into my, 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 my vibe, my energy in a big way. And the fact that it was a huge crossover record, too. So, uh, yeah. but you've been doing this for a long time, man. Mm-hmm. I was listening to an album that you put out at six years old. Freaking, dude. Why? Uh, <laughs> here's the deal. The question is, why not? Because yeah. the musicianship that you showcased in that album was very, it's very clear to me. After listening to it, but before I listened to it, I knew that you know 30 freaking instruments. I, it wasn't until I listened to this album that it all made sense. Because there was a freaking accordion going. There's so <laughs> many layers to the music you were putting out. And it was all live instruments. Yeah. From day one. Yeah. So that being said, how do you start on this journey and how are you actually introduced to music? Man, I appreciate you saying all those very kind words. Um wasn't expecting that, so I don't really know what to do with it. Um, I um, I don't know. My parents aren't musical, so it's very hard to explain to people. Like, my parents know nothing about music. But what a blessing, because, like, I didn't have stage parents. I had a dad that, like, managed me, but only because he was afraid of managers. Because of everything else. Yeah. And so I had I had this guardian. And I think, honestly, I still, like, when I'm building my team, like, I refer to people as family members. Like, I need a parent. <laughs> I need a sibling. <laughs> like, I, I know that that's really good for me. I'm, I'm an only child, so I really don't know what it's like to have a sibling. But um, I was just around a lot of music, I think. My dad loved listening to music. He loved studying music. That's where I get my, like, study obsession from. When I fall in love with, a, like, an album, I'll listen to the same music for 60 days in a row, nonstop. And what, I get that from him. What are you listening for? Like, and, and where does it start? Like, from, from your first listen, do you enjoy it like a fan or? Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I will say I enjoy it like a fan right up until the point where I have to start. I love enjoying it as a fan and then deconstructing what I love about it and not trying to emulate that. Like, not like going to the studio and saying, like, I want something that sounds like Tony One Pilots going, no, here's what I like about it. I love the I love the stereo spread on this sound. I love that this was an anchor. I love that this is a riff and not just like an accident. And I love that like they chose to make this section. You know, I love the study of it. I'm upset, as you can tell. I just raised my voice, getting excited about it. So, so that you know, I I don't know how I how like this love at first sight with music thing started, but it was that. Like when I was two years old, my grandmother. This is what I've heard my entire life, so I'm just going to recite what I've heard my parents tell as my story. Pass but it on. They, my grandmother gave me a toy accordion when I was two years old, and I did not put it down. And then it was a drum set 
for my fifth Christmas. And then it was a guitar for my sixth birthday. And it just kind of started becoming like, that's all I did. So that's why you're obsessed with accordions. You have, Maybe. You have 30 of them? I, I, I had, so my dad was the toy accordion. My dad ended up buying, I think, up to like 20 to fix the one that I wouldn't let go of. Because really? he knew he had to get, the, yeah, he had to get spare parts from, from something. So we just kept buying toy accordions. And they're all still hanging out in like a shed in the, my backyard in the town where I grew up. Can you play the accordion? Eh. <laughs> I, I, I used to feel really comfortable on the instrument. I haven't touched it in 10 years. Why isn't it cool anymore? What do we need to do to bring the accordion back? So dude? I don't know that it was I don't know that it was ever not cool. I think I had a love-hate relationship just because it was, you know, I grew up playing Cajun music. Because which you is, grew up in Louisiana. Which is someone else's music. Uh. And I started writing my own music when I was like 15, 16, and I started playing more of that. And every time I'd write, I'd play guitar. So at the shows, I was doing like half Cajun music, half like this country blues thing that nobody really understood. And I just I remember there was one show that I got heckled at and like yelled at by multiple drunk people. And I was just kind of like hands in the air, like that's it. I'm never touching accordion again. And I, I that was uh, the only way that I could like, I knew that that was the only way that I could jump into writing and being an artist was to just let that go for a little while. So it, for a minute, it was just kind of like, there's not enough therapy to get me to play that accordion again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. does that heckling moment drive you to write your own records, or did you always know you wanted to do it? I, I honestly just wanted to do it, and I'm, I'm like, I never, I never had a problem. Like, I played four-hour cover gigs. Like, I don't—I never had a problem doing that. I just love making music. But I think at the end of the day, I knew that um, there was a reason that I was drawn to writing. And I would, I would be lying to myself if I said it didn't matter. You know, writing matters to me for some reason. And I feel like it's part of my purpose. And so I've, I've, I think I just had to really commit to it and, you know, keep the, keep the blinders on. Do you teach yourself how to play the instruments that you kept getting for Christmas growing up? I wouldn't say teach myself because I like I, when somebody says like you can play thirty instruments. I can't play thirty instruments. I've I've made noise on thirty something <laughs> instruments, and 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 now in digital age, like I can suck at something as much as it takes for me to get an album made. Yeah. And then once the album's made, nobody cares. So, you know, like all that stuff that was just like yeah, I'd, I'd learn a little bit of this, a little bit of that, just enough so I could make noise with it. You know. So what's your what's your biggest strength? Is it writing? Is it playing guitar? Is it your vocals? Hmm. That's a great question. I, I, f I feel like I don't, I don't know about strength. I feel like that would have to come from somebody else's perspective. I know that passions uh, for me are writing. I live to write. I write now. I write more often than I ever have because I've started allowing myself to write in fragments versus like, oh, you have to sit down at eleven o'clock with a co-writer and finish the song by three because that's how it was for me for a while. Got it. So you're like, as you live, you write because... Now, yes. You, you're less... I don't want to say like you, you, you care less about the margins of the actual business. You care more about the product, right? Because if you set up a session with somebody, money goes into that, you need to come out of that with a song. Right, Most yeah. of the time. Yeah, I, and I, I try to surround myself with people who think the same way, which is not necessarily that we don't care at all about the mar margins, whatever, mm. but my greatest achievements have come from not thinking of those things and starting from nothing. And so I think at, you know, in every creative aspect of my life, there has to be nothing to lose. Like I love working at home because no one has to approve a budget. No one has to know when I'm working. No one has to know what I'm working on. I can fail miserably and no one knows. Or if it's awesome, 
I can send it to somebody and, and say I really believe in this. But yeah, I'd have to say between writing and performing live, there's something about performing live that's just in my blood. And, and it's funny because I have a lot of insecurities when I walk on stage, like a ton of insecurities about my voice, about the way I look, about the way I move and all these things and about the way I play. I'm just I'm full of nervous energy. But for some reason, that is the one place where I feel like I am supposed to be. What? How do you know? How do you, how do you, is it, because you've been on the stage in some shape or form for so long. Yeah. Like, is there a part of you that's like, feels like you belong here because you've just always been there and you feel like you crave it? Hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, well, I think there's definitely, I mean, there's just a, there's just a lot missing when I'm not on the road. You know, and if I'm playing to two people or I'm playing to 20,000, it's the same thing. That, but that's it's how just, you know, right? It's just special. Yeah. Like to go back to a bar where people heckled you as long as you're performing because that's what it takes to fulfill yeah. that desire. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll definitely gladly pack up a, an acoustic and a Mini Cooper and keep playing music if that's what it means to keep playing music. Like that's part of it. Okay. Uh, y- y- wanted. Would you consider that one of your greatest accomplishments? Yeah. I th- I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's a huge record. It's, it's very successful. <laughs> it's, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it, it worked for sure. Massive. Yeah, I, I would. I think I would, yeah. I mean, how does that change the way you approach a record? Or does your creative process not change? Um, well, I've, I've just in the last like couple of years started really telling the truth behind the song because when I wrote the song, um, it was purely a letter to this girl that I was in the friend zone with. And the intention was to play it for her on the way to our coffee dates because that's what you do when you're 17. Um, and have her, like, get the picture because I couldn't figure out how to say it. Um, and I remember, like, writing it in, like, an hour and 30 minutes with Troy. Like, we slammed through it, which is, you know, those are the songs that are kind of meant to be. Yeah. Um, and I remember playing it for her. I did a quick, really quick demo, piano vocal. And, uh, yeah, didn't work. And then management heard it and they were like, oh, my God, you have to play this for the label tomorrow. And I did, and they were like, that's the big single, that's the one. And this is like a year in advance of actually going in and recording the album. So at this point, I'm just hearing all these things. Like, I don't know what any of this means. I don't know how to weigh any of this. But if you're excited about it, I'm excited about it. I thought it was too mushy to put on the record. I was dead wrong, and that's okay. Um, But what it taught me was that, again, going back to your kind of forgetting about the, you know, world around you and all the sort of conditionals, um, I made something that worked and connected with people when I was just writing a letter and just pouring out everything and saying what I thought was too much. (laughs) But when it's too much, usually it's the right amount for the public. I'm learning. I'm learning that my definition of too much only means that I've actually let somebody into something I was not going to let them in on. Hey, beautiful human, real quick. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in an alcohol-impaired vehicle crash. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen... By a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each and every year. Many people also are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. It's not so harmless after all, is it? Come on, get this. 
from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is, driving while high is deadly. So please, stop kidding yourself. If you are impaired from alcohol or drugs, do not get behind the wheel of a vehicle. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. Zach Sang Show. Because there's still... Are you alluding to the fact that there's a deeper meaning to wanted? Right? I, to the fact that, like, as long as you still know the meaning behind a record yeah. and nobody else knows? No, I, I I would much prefer everybody else to know. I think I was just afraid to talk about, like, the details of it at that time because I was, like, still friends with this girl and it was a little awkward and a little weird. Does she know now? But Oh, yeah, she knows now. Yeah. yeah. And it's we dated for a second. It just totally was not meant to be. Well, that's probably but, one of the greatest honors of her life. Come I don't on. know about that. I don't know if that's the case. Somebody wrote a song this big about me. I'd be telling everybody. It'd actually be the song on my dating profile. <laughs> It'd be on my well, playlist. That's amazing. I think it's pretty cool. Well, appreciate maybe, that, man. Maybe I'm crazy. But, I mean, does it change the way you view a record? And is there pressure put on you again to have another one? Hmm. Because I think the, the it was only, big. Yeah. Well, I mean, it... It has the power to if you give it the power to, and I have, and I haven't. I've gone through segments where I did. I've gone through segments where I didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's the biggest thing is realizing that all of these things, all of these, like, compare – because that's honestly all that ends up happening is the only time you really shortchange yourself is when you compare something you did yesterday to what you're doing today, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's something that the business – doesn't understand because in the business's eyes they have to compare it yeah they have to make enough you know as much money today as they did yesterday whereas for me it's like i i I have to make honest art so it's in my best interest that it doesn't sound like it did yesterday and it's in my fans best interest that i'm not making the same music i did yesterday so i i it's hard to be reminded of that but i think that honestly comes down to surrounding yourself with people who who feel that way who work that way and who are willing to remind you of that and champion you when you're just trying new stuff you're right and come on the country community is a very loving community they're a yeah. great loyal fan base of human beings yeah who really once they take you in they take you in yes I, I, that that i, I don't know i'm not 100 percent in there but i watch no, you're right. yeah you're 100 percent right and that's 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 what i felt growing up and that's i've 100 percent experience i mean i've i've got this tattoo i haven't even explained what the tattoo i mean i've to some extent explain what the tattoo is it has to do with the upcoming project and fans are already getting the same tattoo and they're spreading the love for the new project and i haven't even announced the album title but they've got my back and they always have like that's and that and that feeds into the creative process too it's like i know that i can keep being me because they're going to be there so the tattoo on your arm yeah that is, I feel like I saw it on a, a piece of cover art when we were looking at your website. It's a paper airplane, isn't it? It's a paper airplane, yeah. Um, yes, it's cool. shown up in a couple of places in the last couple of days. Um, but it's it, it's representative of, of this project for me. This project is about like weightlessness and just like putting everything, just everything on paper and just, you know, paper airplaning it into the into the sky and trusting that it'll land where it needs to and the person who needs to find it will find it so uh, are, are the last two records that you've put out one in february one in june um heartbreak and everybody's got some no that everybody's got somebody's on my list because i like jason morass and that song yeah. is like my life's work <laughs> also like one good reason i'm sorry one good yeah. reason heartbreak 
Are those two records from the upcoming album? Yes. They're on the... They're, um, One Good Reason, Heartbreak, One Shot, and Dear God are part of the new project. Cool. Dear, Dear God's a very honest one, isn't it? What were you going through when you wrote that? Honestly, still going through it. <laughs> I feel really? like it's just... That was that was the first time that I think I let any, everybody into some serious, like, insecurities. Um, I was writing with Andy Grammer. We did his podcast. Oh, he's great. He came to the house. I had, At the time, I had a basement. In the, I had a studio in the basement. That's pretty much where I did the whole project. Um, but he came to the house. I set up two mics. We did his podcast. In Louisiana? And, Sorry. In, in Nashville. I've been in Nashville for, like, 11 years now. Got so it. that's kind of, like... New home, if you will, home but away from home. But yet your accordions are still in Louisiana. Yes. So far away. <laughs> Keep going. Um, but Andy came over and we did his podcast and his podcast is called The Good Parts and it's the same, like, I think it's nine questions for everybody. And it's stuff like, you know, where do we go when we die? Um, it talks about your faith, talks about beliefs, it talks about all those things, insecurities and stuff. And so this whole conversation, these 45 minutes of us on this podcast, we're totally just diving right into a song title that I had that I wanted to write with him called Dear God. Um, and so we just started kind of messing around with it, and he just started, you know, pacing the room, singing parts of the chorus, and I was just catching the parts that he was singing that I loved, and he finished with Dear God, Are You Sure That You Don't Mess Up? And I was, it was such a thing to wrap my head around because it was like everything in my brain was like, well, you can't say that, but everything in my heart was like, I'm not the only one who feels like that happens. And it's not that I actually doubt it. I just need to need to be reminded you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh so we just kind of dove in and went for it and i didn't think that i would be allowed to put it out another one of those songs you know and uh i was dead wrong the label like really connected when i said label like there's certain people that i work closely with like a, a small handful of people that i trust with my music before it's out and we sat we talked we shared it they shared it a ton and um they just really really believed in the message and and I was, I loved it because it's kind of that 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 and other songs have set the bar for transparency for this project for me, you know. Were you questioning God's plan for you, or what? What, what exactly were you questioning? No, I was, I was, um, I was, I wasn't honest. But I think, where do I start? I was more questioning my own design okay. and saying like, um, and not necessarily like. I'm trying not to wash over it, but essentially just like where – what am I missing? I'm Because I'm missing a lot of things in my life, you know, close relationships, certain things. Certain holes just haven't been filled. What am I missing? Is it me or is it just time? Is it just this is part of a, a bigger plan and things like that? Um, and those insecurities, like so many of those things I've had to deal with, you know, where the thing that I love to do – um, puts me on stage and every time I go on stage I'm not like as confident as I wish I was you know and I feel like I'll get there but this was just kind of handling all of those things and just kind of like the, the my biggest goal was for the for it to sound for it to be a prayer and for the prayer to be a total mess mm-hmm. like not the most predictable like properly worded prayer but an honest prayer of like yo I'm a mess talk to me help me out with this you know Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Do you get answers to the questions you have by the time the song's finished? Meaning? I mean, you go in with questions, writing right. it. Do you realize something through the process that you didn't know before? That's a great question. Um, I'm th- I think I'm still realizing things through the process, through the process of 
of singing it live, of talking to fans about it. My my conversations with fans about that topic have gotten super deep, and I'm learning a lot in that alone. Like I feel like it was it it, it wasn't necessarily written as like a call to like friends in the world, but I feel like it's kind of done that accidentally. It's it's brought me closer to people. I've heard things that I really needed to hear and didn't know I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, that, again, that was not the intention for the song it, by the slightest. It was just meant to be honest and say, yo, if we're being real, I'm also a mess. Like, yes, I get on stage. I act professional when I have to. I, you know, act like an adult when I have to. But let's be honest, I'm a wreck. You know what I mean? Some days I'm just I'm just a mess. I'm yeah, but but it, but it's that honesty that people I, we want, right? Like you you want to know that I don't know. There's other people like you. Yeah, you know, you're never alone. Yeah, and I think that's those are the stories that could really be told in country music because of the clarity. You know, mm. like nothing is crazily produced. Everything is I don't know. You really feel it. You know, mm. it's a little bit more raw. Yeah, uh, heartbreak. The one of the things I noticed was like. The phrasing on this record, different than the other ones before. Like, you're writing, it's really unique. Awkward, but the ice is breaking. I've been in some <laughs> relationships, but I've remained an optimist. Like, the phrasing on that is cool. Yeah. You thanks, know, man. like, not thanks. traditional country. <laughs> How does that song start? Um, it started, It started. I think it started as a title in my phone. Um, I think I was kind of sensing some weirdness in a relationship. I mean, this probably was two and a half years ago, and I just was wow. like, okay, well, I have to look at the bright side somehow. That's always kind of my, like, marching orders to start with. Like, um, And then you fast forward to the end of that relationship and me taking this trip by myself. I went to Hawaii because I've always wanted to go and, like, spend time there, and I never got to. So you go alone? So I went alone. Oh, what is that like? It, it was weird and awesome. Uh, incredibly lonely and incredibly educational. Um, but my first day I had this, it was picture perfect. Cause it was like, dude, it was like the weather was perfect. Um, I went into town to grab a cup of coffee. Nothing was open, but I walked by this dope guitar shop and I was like, I got to go in there. And then I saw some crazy <laughs> happening on the street ahead of me. And I turned around and I was like, I'm gonna go check that guitar shop out. <laughs> and so I went in the guitar shop. I met the owner. I bought a guitar and my first ever classical guitar. Cool. Um, it was beautiful. And I ended up just drive. I always just like drive on vacation just because I love finding new things and discovering new things. And I not, I like not planning my trips. And so I just ended up at this area where there was nobody. It was on the edge of the ocean, like volcanic rock. So it's like this picturesque Hawaiian scene. And I was just like, I'm just going to be the most predictable like Instagram person and just like sit by the edge of the ocean with my notebook and my guitar and write a song <laughs> and so I sat there and I started just journaling because I knew I wasn't gonna like because again you got to remember at this point my mindset is still like oh well, you're supposed to start and finish the song all at once uh, so I'm trying to like undo that bad habit so I just sat down with my notebook and I just started just jotting a bunch of stuff down I had a bunch of titles and stuff I wanted to try um, and one of the things that took up two pages was this letter to my future better half I was like, I really want to look, I'm looking forward to meeting yeah. this mystery person, whoever she is. And I don't know anything, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't know what to say or how to say it or what I was even saying. I just babbled. And I, I when I got home, I had a bunch of co-writes scheduled. And one was with Gordy Sampson, who I've written a ton with and love and am a huge fan of. And um, Togs and Simon is the first time I'd ever written with them. But I walked in, Gordy had this acoustic riff. 
and I loved it because it's a Gordy Sampson acoustic riff. And it's, I mean, literally for me, it's like having one of my favorite artists <laughs> featured on, on my album. But walked in, he had the riff. I kind of like carefully stepped into the room with the idea like, hey, I'm, I've got this weird thing. It's soup or whatever. But I feel like this album needs to be celebratory because it is. It's moving on. It's shedding weight. And there's not a love song, but I want to write a love song to no one, right? This stranger. And so we started this like, yeah, we started this concept of, okay, we started with the second verse. Um, and then we wrote the first verse just to laugh it and make fun at the dating process because it's like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> I want to be that deep. I want. I want to have the power to sit down and write a, a letter to my my better half, my my future partner. Yeah, that's like really. There's a lot of there's a lot to cover though, and I don't know how to cover it to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> you did a you did a decent job, and the fact that you even attempted, respect. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Seriously, cheers. It's a lot to unpack. How are you feeling? Uh, one good <laughs> one good reason. That's the current single. That's the latest song out. Okay. Yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah for real. Thank you. So, is what, what's that song? I was, I, I honestly was reading the lyrics, and I was like, and listening to the song, I'm like, I can't figure out if you like the girl you're talking to, if you don't like the girl you're talking to, <laughs> if you're looking for a reason like that you want to be there, you I don't want to be there. Well, I think that's the point. I think. Oh, perfect! I, you I, nailed it. I think. The, I really do. I think. Um, that's kind of what I loved about the song was that it it didn't it didn't answer it because I think there are some times where we separate from somebody and we go through th- th- that was that stage of like I. I'm in a really awkward place where I don't know where to go next and I'm not sure that I should have left. I can't mm. remember why I left. I know that I left for a reason, but at the present moment, that's nowhere to be found, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's that kind of like cross, you know, uh, crossroads, like standing in the middle, spinning around in circles moment of like, did I mess up? Am I supposed to move on? You know, I, and it's also just about missing somebody. And I think it's it's okay. I'm I'm like I told you, like I'm always like the optimist. What's next? But I think that was my moment of, Man, I just got to live in this for a second, and it's not that easy to move on sometimes, you know? So does this whole process start before your trip to Hawaii or with your trip to Hawaii? It started right before. This is the first record that I've ever – because, like, for three or four years, I wrote a lot of stuff, and I'm proud of a lot of stuff that I wrote. But even with that, I think it was kind of just like it was all over the place because I was trying to please a lot of different sort of filters and – um. And I kind of just like threw my hands in the air at the beginning of 2018 and felt like if I don't start over now from scratch and just pretend that I don't have anything anymore, no no music that I've written so far, if I just erase everything in my, my head, um, maybe that's the right place to start. And so I did, and I named the project. I picked what I wanted for the cover art, and I knew what I wanted the theme to be. I wrote the title track first. Um, so that I could bring it into all of my other writers and say, okay, here is the album. This is what it's going to feel like. This is what it's going to look like. You set the tone. Yeah, kind of. And I wasn't sure whether that was going to like bury me into a corner or like send me shooting towards my dream, right? And, and it worked <laughs> because I, I wrote this whole project and I remember like sitting down with my A&R guy, Rohan, and I was like, okay, look, I'm not like just tossing you an album and saying take it or leave it because I don't work like that. But... Take it a listen to the like these twelve songs and tell me if I'm crazy, you know. And then like a week later, we were out with you know the rest of the label team, and I was playing them the sort of like rough sketch of the album and what it what it was going to feel like. So for me, it was a huge accomplishment. And I, I remember at the end of 2018, I wrote a song that I walked in and I said, I don't have a song that ends the album yet. 
and I need to do that. And I've never done that before either. And uh, and we we sat there and we wrote like this sort of like retrospective. This is what I've learned thus far. And I remember closing the car door after leaving that session and just going, all right, the album's done. So uh, how long have you been sitting on this album? Not too long. Because um, like okay, it started, it start to, to me there's like three stages. There's like the song, there's like the demo, which is kind of like a 2D, like a floor plan mm. or like blueprint. And then there's the actual album, which is like the 3D mock-up, uh. you know, where you can actually walk through it and see it and feel it. And so... It's gone through those stages. So, like, 2018 was was kind of my chance to write it and demo it. And then, like, this year has been just me kind of, like, finishing. And I didn't want to – as much as I love the idea of, like, going – disappearing somewhere and, like, recording an album, it's very easy to get stale when you do that. And a lot of things get jumbled together and a lot of things start to sound the same. So we worked on it kind of one song at a time and just kind of at – not at our leisure but in the safe house. I called my – home studio the safe house with the sort of safe house mentality which is when it's right it's right and you shouldn't rush anything yeah totally we i mean we finished songs and completely redid them do you feel scared do you feel free when you have the power to kind of dictate what your music is going to sound like look like feel like all of it i feel incredibly free incredibly free um yeah there's some scary moments but i think that's that's when you have to trust the people I mean that that honestly the only scary part is is kind of trusting that it will find all the homes that you want it to find, mm. you know what I mean? And find the people that you want it to find. But I think that's that's when you have that's when for me I have to come to my team and just make it clear like hey, I want to make sure you understand like where my heart is, where this project is and and how can I serve you and how can I uh, make this work. It, it's cool. I mean, would you say you work towards this or like I mean, it's obviously deserved not having somebody, like, breathing down your, your – like, he's wanted, right? Was that creative dictated by you or was that – like, was that all dictated by other people? No, I don't I don't think there was ever a moment where anything was, like, heavily dictated by any anybody else. Um, there was a lot of voting processes just because I was Got learning it. a lot and I wanted to have a team that was able to tell me, like, yeah, we know you love this song, but it sucks, you know? <laughs> um, of course, thank God they never said it that way, but um, – but it was a lot of kind of um, – it was a lot of just kind of like, oh, yeah, you think that will work? Yeah, sure, let's do that, you know, and, um, and, and, and slightly less of like a narrative driving the music and a little bit more of I'm going to capture a lot of feelings. I'm going to give you a lot of things about me, yeah. and they were all completely honest. But, you know, starting with the, the, the actual story and the narrative and knowing that that's how I'm going to connect with people at the end of the day. I understand that. You're telling yeah. a story that's the size of an album as opposed to just one-offs, right? Right. Right. It's a beautiful art form. Well, this upcoming album, is it's like your first in four years? Has it been that yeah, long? four or five, yeah. Why such a long break between it? Because there, there was a while back in like 2014, 15, where you heard about Hunter Hayes all the time. Yeah. And then it just kind of, where'd you go? Um, wouldn't call it a break. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but um, I was honestly I was trying to figure it all out I was trying to write I was like I had a lot of voices that was a lot of things and um, there's this tendency too and I, I you know I, yeah I just I think it just it just took me a while to figure out what I needed to say and what I was meant to say you know um, not just like what I want to say. I hear a lot of people like, well, what do you want for your – it's like, well, I, I don't operate based on one. I operate based on like what's what's meant to happen, what's purposeful, what means something. And 
Um, and I think for a while I was just kind of like, I kind of, yeah, I, I, I was going through stuff and living things that I wasn't writing about because I didn't think I was allowed to. And I didn't think anybody cared, mm-hmm. quite honestly, at the end of the day. I was just convinced that no one would care. I would write these weird concepts like Dear God or something like that, and it would just fall flat. But, but even know? though Wanted was based off a letter you wrote to somebody, like super, super personal. Yeah. I mean, that's not enough proof that, like, your deepest, most personal stuff is kind of the right direction? You would think it would be, right? I mean, yeah. but I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just wasn't hearing that at the time, I which guess, is funny. Who tells you? Who? How, how do you realize? I think it, I think part of it was, was, I mean, there's no question that part of it was me. <laughs> yes, I think I, 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 like, I went through all these great depths. Like, I rented this studio, like, I... At first, I was living in a condo, so I rented the studio downtown, and I would drive to it every day, and I'd leave at 2 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, it was mine for, like, a year and a half, and for me, that was removing, you know, any conversations about, like, budgets or song approvals or, you know, I, I could just bring in whoever I wanted to work with and try things, and I removed every single filter but my own, and I think I had to remove my own filter and be okay with that and kind of... Yeah, come to come to terms with that. I, I get, I get that reserved feeling because kind of living this famous life, and you've been, dude, you're famous for a while. Rumor <laughs> has it Robert Duvall gave you your first freaking guitar. I don't even know if that's true or not, but the fact that it's on the it internet, is true, yeah, that's f-ing crazy. It's <laughs> nuts. You were invited to perform at the White House. You've been famous for a long time, so like through that, like you kind of build like a distance or like a. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's a little... You're a little bit more removed. And I hmm. feel like the more famous you get, the harder that could be sometimes. Yeah. And you got really, really famous even before that. Like, right in the middle. Like, Wanted was probably wild. Yeah. Still today. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's hard to... I don't, I, I don't know the point I'm trying to make, but the, the point <laughs> I'm trying to make... I'm tracking with you. I'm with you. No, the Keep point going. I'm trying to make Keep is talking. like... Being famous is not as easy as it looks, and just because everybody else likes you doesn't mean that, like, necessarily you got everything worked out inside. Right. Or you feel comfortable enough to share. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you feel like, because you never know. Yeah. It's a different, it's just a different approach to pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Except for, like, bodily functions. That's the one thing we share. (laughs) And a few other things. Marriages and breakups. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'm crazy. No, I I mean, I think... Yeah, what what like what I was connecting with was definitely I think the realization that as you live life, you know I think for instance when the debut record came out I was kind of one person, right? But as we all do from eighteen to twenty three years old, a lot of things change yeah. and you learn a lot about yourself. And I, I think part of it, you know, I don't I can't tell you what percentage was kind of putting that off, putting off number one dealing with it personally, number two writing about it. And number three, being okay with sharing it. Yeah, but also you were working too at the same time that you yeah. had all the, you had all this personal stuff that had to go on. Right. It's kind of like you tucked it away. Totally. I, I personally can speak from experience in that. Yeah. You tuck it away. Yeah. And then it, it doesn't go away. It right. eventually peaks its head up. Yeah. And you have all the that you got to unpack. Yeah. But it's like years of it. Yeah. Like teenage years of it. Yeah, it it, it can certainly build up. And but the good news is, as a, as a creator, that there's a way to take my experiences and give them purpose and all the stuff that I've been through and like finally there's a reason for it now that there's a song that somebody's going to reference and hopefully will be their soundtrack as they step through the same chapter I'm not the only one like 
even though, uh, you know, I, I don't even, like, I'm, I have a weird relationship with the whole famous work because I don't believe that I was, I think, my music was. And I, I, I had the privilege of, of having music that was everywhere, but I, I didn't ever feel like I was, like, heavily scrutinized. I did for a minute, but I just made it up in my head, honestly. But, but I had the privilege of, of having incredible fans who, like, cared about me as a human, and I felt that. And I'm now going down two different roads in my head. But, but essentially, <coughs> completely lost my train of thought. Um, screw it. No, you, you know the thing? <laughs> your relationship with the word famous is pretty interesting. Yeah. Because some people can either embrace it or, like, I, I, I get what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like you remove yourself from it. Yeah, so I think um, – well, yeah. No, now I feel like I, there's a there's a perfectly logical reason for me to go through it. it it's like it, it going through anything in life. I'm. I guess what I was trying. That's what what I was trying to say was I'm not the only one. Like, even though I have eyes on me, doesn't mean that anything I'm going through is exclusive. And there's none of this, you know, BS of like you don't understand. It's all human. Yeah. Shit. And so if you put it in a song, if you try to just work through it, and and talk to the world about it then chances are there's a lot of other people feeling something very similar. Louder. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about those insecurities on stage, and you've been touring for a long time. How do you, how do you handle it? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've gone through different stages. Like, I, I, at first, it was just, like, fire-hour energy and Red Bull, and, like, you just jump over it. And then it was, like, scotch, and you kind of, like, succumb to it. <laughs> and then it was... That's not working. Uh, and, you know, it's just been stages of, like, what's going to help me feel like me on stage? And I, I'm still, honestly, just finding that. Every show's different. Are you feeling more confident the older you get? Is it an age thing? I will say, uh, no. Yes, kind of. Yes and no. I think the thing that's honestly given me the most confidence are the shows. Um, like, we did our, our first, like, headline tour again, you know, this spring. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first time that I really felt like me again. Because I was playing new music that wasn't released to fans that had already heard it. You know, they go, they find it on YouTube, they know the words. So I, I felt like I was accepted for me. And I didn't have to, like, play a bunch of hits for people to be like, okay, now I'm listening. Not that that's the case, but in your head, sometimes you make that up. You know, so, um, so I think kind of just moving into this new music, I think the more of this new album I put out, the more comfortable I feel on stage. Because now I'm just like, okay, you get me. Like, you, you see what's going on. You know, there's no secrets anymore. Yeah, it's 100% you. Yeah. When will the full album be out? Can't say yet. <laughs> Next record? There's some rumors going around, and it's complicated. If it was a relation, if it was a Facebook relationship status, it would be complicated. Whoa! <laughs> what makes it complicated? Um, I just I have I have crazy ideas, and this album really means a lot to me. So I don't want to just like go the conventional route with it. And um, I, I just I beg of you to stay tuned because I'm there may be something really exciting. What like? I'm anxious now. Like, what are we talking? Are you going to skydive? That's gonna... where I want you to be. I want you to be in that, like, what's happening stage. You, I'm kidding. Are you going to ride a uh, scooter through a flaming ring of fire? <laughs> I, I don't have insurance for that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I, I am really excited about this project. And to get to tell the fans what we're doing about it, I just can't say it yet. I love the paper airplane. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Are we... you uh, growing the hair back? Accidentally. It just grows back so fast. I had shaved my head just Why? like to just like clean slate. Feel like, like a I new just person. felt like it was a nice change, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but it just grows back so fast. I was like, I think we were just on the road for like three weeks, and I never got a chance to get a cut. That's basically where I'm at right now. I just haven't had a chance to get a cut yet. Do you want to shave it again? I don't know. I go back and forth because there's some pictures I see of me, and I'm like, dear heavens. <laughs> and there's some people, some pictures that I'm like, okay, I look a little bit. I feel, I feel confident. I tell you what hurt was. Um, it's funny how people. This is the first time I've ever experienced this, by the way, where people are just like so happy to tell you how they feel about your appearance as a human. <laughs> Welcome. I've never experienced it to that level because I don't like. I sometimes I read comments, but I'm very cautious on that. Like with social media, yeah. like there's some things I feel comfortable going in and reading the comments about. Then there's some posts that I'm just like, nope, I'm not touching that. <laughs> I'm not looking at the response. I spoke my truth, and that's how it's going to be. But there was this one sweet, sweet lady, and I know she's going to see this and hear this, and I love her to pieces. She's been a huge supporter. You, you would, I've never heard anything negative come out of this sweet, sweet person's soul. And, like, I guess it was about two, three weeks ago, my hair was starting to grow out, and she was like, oh, thank God you're growing your hair out again. Don't ever, don't ever shave your head again. <laughs> Let her decide. She deserves and, that power. <laughs> and I thought, all right, so this is what it's like. But I had so many people like, oh, my God, why did you shave your head? And I was like, well, because I'm, I'm happy with it. So, you know. I mean, hey, it had to, it had to happen for life and yeah, growth. It had to happen, yeah. I would do it, but I know I would scare people. <laughs> you should do it. Oh, I'm already scared. You should do it right now. <laughs> so I'll, yeah. just, I'll go get a razor. We'll just make it a thing. <laughs> oh my god, I'd cry. We'd be all hanging out in a puddle of my tears. <laughs> um, what are you thinking? Well, the only other question I had is, how do you feel about this new like country hip hop thing that's going on with like Old Town Road and was it Bl- Blanco Brown? Uh, yeah, Blanco Brown. Do you know that one? I, I'm not familiar with everything. I'll say this though: I, country's always the when I grew up. Like that's what I loved about country was yes, it had like a central sound, but it was also all over the map. Like, I grew up in Rascal Flatts, Keith, my, like, the three albums that made the biggest impact on me in one year were Rascal Flatts, they all came out at the same time, Rascal Flatts, Keith Urban, and Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley was, like, everything you, 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 you've heard about country from the outside looking in. Keith Urban was, like, every rock and roll, you know, lover's dream when it comes to country because he combined those two things, but it was so natural and it was not forced. You know, he grew up around a lot of that music, but he brought it into what he did, and it was authentic. Same can be said for Rascal Flatts. Like, you know, you had these incredible soaring vocals. You had the three-part harmonies, which sort of felt like a bluegrass band. Yeah. They had bluegrass instrumentation, but they could just as easily sing a pop song in a heartbeat. So you had that influence coming into what they did very naturally. So I feel like that's that's always been the shape of country. It's always been a big place, a big, a big big table, big house, like whatever you want to call it or compare it to, like there's always been room for everybody to bring in what they love and and tell their honest true story, you know? And it's and it's not as song based or as album or tour based, it's artist based. And that's I think the biggest differentiating thing for me is that what I've always loved about country is that when you get when you find something in country that you like, you you it's typically that you're finding an artist. You don't just mm-hmm. find a song and save it and like Oh, well, I don't know about the next one. Like you're, And it goes back to the loyalty thing. Like When we find people that we connect with, we connect with the person. And therefore, everything that they do, as long as it's authentic and genuine, you're, you're, you stay connected to. But mm-hmm. is that a defining factor of what makes a country record a country record or not? Because Old Town Road gets thrown off the chart. But 
I can make the argument that his entire album is definitely not country whatsoever. Right. You know what I mean? The only thing close to country was Old Town Road. Right. And that's where it stopped. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, honestly, that's that's one of those opinion things where, like, everybody has a different definition of what fits and what doesn't. And it's just, it literally just depends on what you listen to and what you love and what you like. You know what I mean? There is a beautiful camaraderie that I've heard about in country that I've just, I mean, I've never heard about in any other genre of music. Mm. Like the practice of, if somebody has a number one record for like a week or two, they'll call a program director and say, don't play my record so somebody else could have it instead. I'm almost 100% confident that no one's ever called and said, don't play my record. <laughs> or However, play it less or play the other guy more. That there, happens. There is kind of this like respect for like, if we know you're, yeah, if you know that somebody's going for number one, chances are they've been on the chart for like 52 freaking weeks. So if they want it, <laughs> let them have it. <laughs> like let them, let them enjoy it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's nice. Yeah. It's it is it is not I mean there is a sense of um yeah just like everybody cares about not just themselves and and cuz I, I I kind of credit that too to Nashville because I feel like Nashville's a town full of people who moved there to pursue a dream and we all know that everybody else is there to pursue a dream too and we all kind of we can relate like whether we're on top or like just getting in and figuring it out like you 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 know that everybody around you is is just trying to live a dream. And you understand it. Yeah, it's like a you people care about people, you know. As somebody who I think would know something about this, do you think Yodel Kid Mason Ramsey has a chance of being a huge country star? Have you heard his work? Oh, that new EP is so good. Yeah, I I do. I really do. I can't wait. I I always get really nervous when like incredible young talent gets discovered really really early because i don't want those outside forces to act on the passion that made that good yeah do you know what i mean like the whole business thing like don't let the passion become a job until like everything around you can protect you and protect that passion that's the only thing the only thing that i pray for but I've, I've talked to people that work with them and it sounds like there are those people and there are those angels kind of acting in that world because it's hard to balance that. It's hard to balance like, hey, we're getting all these offers, and we, but I think he's incredibly talented, and I'm really excited for him because I, I think he's, yeah, I mean, you, you just see it on his face. There's, there's this fearless, like, yeah, I just, I love, I love his spirit when, he, when he's performing, which is always a really cool sign. That was so beautifully put. Never heard something, like, a question like that answered in that way. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Are you writing for any other artist or just you? I'd like to. I'm kind of shit at it. <laughs> um, just because, like, I like doing weird stuff, and I can get away with it when I'm just like, "Don't worry, I'll figure out how to make this work." You know, yeah. when it's when it's somebody else, you gotta kind of. I would love to write them. with other artists for other artists. That's cool. You know, it's hard to write for other artists when they're not in the room. It's much easier when you kind of know their vibe, and I. But I would love that. Love that. We don't have an album date. We don't have an album name. <laughs> yeah, but well, we do, but we don't know it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> somebody in the room knows it. We don't know. Uh, but we do got two records, uh, One Good Reason and Heartbreak. Listen to it. They're great. Mm -hmm. How you feeling? Good. The only other question I had was he was talking about writing. Do you think you could write good pop songs? You ever tried that? Uh, explain. Or I guess. Well, like, you but, know, you write country music. Do you think you could write a good, like, a pop song? Like do, you, a do you see it as two different types? Like, if you were to go into the studio and create a, a song, mm. would you go in with the intention of creating a country record? Or would you go in, in with the intention of creating a pop song? Do you go That's a great question. Because um, my brain doesn't really work that way. Um, <clears throat> but I'm trying my best to, like, give you an actual answer. I don't know. Because in some cases, like, 
Like, Drink You Away is a great example. Mm. JT can sing it, and it's a pop song. Chris Stapleton can sing it, and it's a country song, mm-hmm. right? It, the song is a great song, and it's just a matter of how you produce it uh, or who sings it. That's it. You know what I mean? I think, and I think in a lot of cases, like, there's so many songs that, like, I've, one of my dreams in the very near future, like, in the next, like, five years, I want to do a cover album oh. with people not realizing that they're all covers. <laughs> like, they're all deep album cuts on pop records that just never got discovered, and they're really, like, great songs that you could totally make into a country record, yeah. you know, because they're just, they're songs, they're stories, they're there. So, I, I, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I think it's all just kind of, like, maybe production or, like, performance. I don't know. My voice. My answer to your question is, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) What what songs? Do you have any songs in mind for that covers album? Because that'd be awesome. One of the songs that I do love. um, Ever since the first time I heard it, I was like, even though now I know what it's about, kind of changes things. But the 1975, uh, it's Mm. not living if it's not with you. Mm. Like, kind of reminds me of like a 90s country song in a lot of ways. Like melodically, that's a 90s country song. It's, it's so easy to sing along with, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. production-wise, it's not, but it's just, like, hanging on the fifth so much in the verse, and then the chorus, uh, chorus is actually coming down in register versus going up. Like, it's such a, a bring-you-in song, you know? So that would be one, for sure. Man, that'd be awesome. I also like watching your brain go through the song in your head as you're talking about it. He, I, I'm super nerdy. <laughs> I'm super nerdy, and I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, Andres, come back when the album's out. Yeah, we're always here. I'd love to, man. Appreciate you deeply, dude. Thank you. Thank you for the energy and thank you. Great conversation. Cheers. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.